Hello, everyone. Welcome to Soulmates Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Rachel. Congratulations! It's our 100th episode. <laughs> Woo! Is our 100th episode. I feel like we should have a retrospective of some sort, but, like, we have something else planned. <laughs> we do. We do. Maybe we'll do it for our 101st episode. Yeah. Maybe we'll make that, like, a special, because technically we've released more than 100 if we count the specials, so... This is true, this is true. So I think we'll, we'll make a special dedicated episode to a Soulmates retrospective. <laughs> yes. What a beautiful episode that will be. <laughs> a lot of fart jokes. Yes. A lot of laughing directly into the microphone. Yes. This episode might be a bit controversial in subject nature. A bit. This episode might be a little philosophical, if you will. We've been doing that. Yes. We've been doing some introspection into the Korean music scene. This episode is what makes a K-pop group a K-pop group. Now, you may think that's simple, but it's not. It's not. And I feel like the catalyst for us asking ourselves this question has been a few recent groups that we'll talk about a little bit later. We feel like the original definition of a K-pop group was as follows. A music group that is majority native South Koreans or a native Korean solo artist that is releasing music under a Korean entertainment company. Now, we feel like this definition has loosened over time to be any group with any kind of assortment of members from different countries that is releasing music still under Korean management. It has the K-pop seal of approval from a company. It goes... Bam! Yeah. It is now K-pop. <laughs> it's now K-pop, bitch. <laughs> and I feel like the definition has loosened quite a bit because K-pop has such an international audience now and yes. Korean companies are trying to court other countries, you mm -hmm. know. And other cultures, yes. In other cultures, they're trying to appeal to not only Western countries, but also China, other Southeastern Asian countries mm -hmm. like Thailand and Japan. Mm -hmm. So... I feel like they're really reaching out for more, and the definition of a K-pop group is changing because they're trying to globalize K-pop. And we feel like this is just a few of the groups that we feel like really bridged this gap from Korean music is only native South Koreans singing in Korean, released by a Korean entertainment company. And we feel like those groups are... FX with Amber, who is Korean American, which you might think, oh, well, it's a Korean person, completely different cultures, completely different upbringings. A lot of people that are native South Koreans do not consider Korean Americans to be true Koreans. Which is in an, uh, another conversation. That's another conversation, yes. But yes. Or just, they consider them to be just a different type of Korean. Yes. Like, someone from up north might thinks a southerner, you know, is a special kind of American. <laughs> that is a really nice way to put that up. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, you see that even in America, someone who considers himself a quote unquote Yankee is going to view a quote unquote redneck a lot differently from each other, even though we are all technically American. Soren from CLC, she's Thai. Lisa from Blackpink is also Thai. Way V is a subunit of NCT, and they're a subunit that speaks completely in Mandarin, and they have Chinese members along with their South Korean members. Lei from EXO is super, super popular in China. He is Chinese, and he also is doing Korean stuff, but mostly 
Chinese stuff. But he's an EXO. You guys like EXO. (laughs) Yeah. And there's even a whole band called Royal Pirates that technically releases Korean music, but they are all Korean Americans. And there are a lot more that we're not covering. A lot of Japanese members in certain groups. And I feel like it's just been widening and widening and widening to kind of the culmination that we want to talk about, which are groups called... Z-Girls and Z-Boys. We also want to talk about KDA. And finally, we want to talk about the Cursed EXP Edition. So we have talked about KDA and EXP Edition previously, but we're going to start with Z-Girls and Z-Boys. No member of any of these groups is Korean. They have Japanese, Indian, Filipino, Singaporean... I believe so. And I believe they also have members from Thailand. Thai, yeah. They're all throughout Asia. And we're talking all of Asia. That's like, including South Asia, which fucking shocked me. Oh, and Vietnam. Oh, right. That's what we're missing. Yeah. All the members of these two groups are not Korean. They're all from different parts of Asia. They both released songs not that long ago, because these are brand new groups in English. And I couldn't tell it was English at first. And then I was like, oh, wait. What? I've become so desensitized, guys. I just think everything's in Korean. Yeah. We personally consider these groups to be K-pop, even though no member is from South Korea, even though they are singing in English because they are being produced by the Korean company Zenith Media. These groups were also made with the intention of being popular in South Korea and all over Asia. Like, they had, like, a motto, like, uniting Asia. Yes, seriously, they did. And I believe that Z-Girls and Z-Boys actually came about from a competition Mm -hmm. where they were trying to pick, like, the top stars from a variety of Asian countries to be in Z-Girls and Z-Boys. So Zenith Media hand-selected these individuals to be in these groups for a reason. So their names are references to Z-pop, which is like a reference to the target audience. They're trying to get Gen Z kids. And yeah, they're trying to unite Asia as one and create world stars from more Asian countries. So it's kind of like Eurovision, but they made a girl group and a boy group. So even though no one's Korean, and even though they released songs in English... We still consider them K-pop because they're being treated like a K-pop group. Yes, and they are being marketed towards the same audience that would like Korean pop music. The exact same. The the people who like K-pop and the people who like Z-Girls and Z-Boys is a circle. Yes. In that Venn diagram. Yes. (laughs) So, So KDA. For those of you who don't know, KDA is a virtual pop group that consists of four members it's actually uh, a group made by League of Legends. They they star League of Legends characters, but they released a crazy good music video. And it has two American singers and two Korean girls who are members of G-Idol. Two of these girls are white. White people. White peeper. The kiss of death in Korean pop. <laughs> yes. Honestly. Yeah. But KDA really, really took off. Yes. They're the one song that they released went viral almost immediately and was viral for a very long time, like a month. Yeah. So we also consider this to be a K-pop group because it has two members that are literally from a K-pop group. And even though they're singing half in English, they are also singing in Korean. But as we discussed before, 
that is not the only characteristic of a K-pop group. Especially when it comes to English, a lot of K-pop groups use English very heavily in their songs. So I honestly feel like them singing completely in Korean is not really an indicator of a K-pop group. Exactly. Also, can KDA be considered K-pop? Because they're not real people. Is the Gorillas considered a band? They're not real people. True, true. Is Hatsune Miku an idol? She's not real either. All questions. How dare you? <laughs> I'm Hatsune sorry. Miku is my wife. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, all questions to consider. Are they a K-pop group? I mean, they're not. They're technically not a group because there's two white girls in this. Does it automatically cancel out? Who knows? We consider it K-pop, and a lot of people consider it K-pop. Maybe not a K-pop group, but a K-pop experience, because they've only come out with the one song. We're waiting on more, League. We are waiting on more. I'm I hope waiting. they release more. That'd be so awesome. It ah. was just such a good juxtaposition of their talent and their voices. I feel like ugh, it would be so good if they came out with more stuff. I think they'll come out with more. I hope so. so. Also, KDA, in their music video, had choreography choreography is so important in k-pop yes. um, same goes for z girls and z boys in their songs they were doing the the k-pop mm-hmm. choreo as well it looked like a k-pop video you know what right. i mean heavy focus on visuals yes there's certain visual cues that both of these groups have borrowed so which brings us to uh the curse <laughs> EXP edition. The cursed EXP edition. I feel like I have to throw salt over my shoulder just to (laughs) not be, like, attacked by K-pop fans. So EXP edition, if you've never heard of them before, is a group of almost all white boys, minus, like, one Asian boy, that form a group called EXP edition. And they sing in Korean, but they are not native Korean speakers, nor did they practice too much (laughs) singing in Korean. So it's bad even from someone that does not speak korean fluently it sounds awkward and bad but this group was created by a korean girl for her university project and if you go on youtube their songs are still there so if you really want to listen to a group of mostly white boys serenade you (laughs) it was a it was all white boys and one japanese boy i believe yeah he was half white half japanese So here's the question when it comes to this. (laughs) No one's Korean, like Z-Boys and Z-Girls. However, they are singing in Korean. Z-Boys, Z-Girls weren't. So you would think this would make them more of a K-pop group, but they're not considered that. I think they have cursed white people in it. Yes. It's so cursed. (laughs) The music video that EXP Edition also released also borrowed really, really heavily from K-pop aesthetics. Like, Very if, if you so. if you put the music video on mute, you can tell. You can tell that they're inspired by K-pop. So what makes this K-pop inspired and not K-pop? Well, Z-Girls is K-pop and not K-pop inspired. I think the one thing that is distinguishing them is a Korean entertainment company. Because even though the girl that was doing this project was Korean, it just is not the same. It feels like their production value isn't there. And it also feels like, I'm not positive, so don't quote me on this. I feel like she may have been Korean American too. So she may have been viewing this from more of an outside lens, I guess you could say. 
it just, it misses the mark. And I feel like even though the members of Z Girls and Z Boys are not Korean, they are still Asian. Yeah. I feel like that's where it misses the mark for me. Even though one of the group members of EXP is half Japanese, I just feel like there needs to be more than that in a group for it to be better. I don't know. Does this all sound racist? I'm just, (laughs) I, I feel bad, but like... I'm trying to figure out what that element is that makes them not K-pop. The element is, I feel like, the training. Mm. You have to go through the South Korean entertainment meat grinder. <laughs> Good point. Along with the meat grinder, a lot of plastic surgery goes involved. Yeah. And you're right, there is all that training. I highly doubt the people that perform in EXP Edition were training since they were 10 years old to be in a music group, you know? No. And they were also kind of old. <laughs> Not yeah. uh, obviously when we say old, we meant like late twenties. <laughs> late, late, late twenties. <laughs> I think one of them might have been like thirty, and I was like, "And you're debuting in a boy band? <laughs> what are you doing?" <laughs> you know. I think it was like the Russian one. One of them was like Russian or something. Yeah. I guess I'll call it like a polish. Yeah, they're not polished enough. I agree, and. They haven't gone through the training. They haven't gone through the meat grinder. They didn't have dance lessons, singing lessons. Even though the music video aesthetically looked a lot like a K-pop video, it was missing something. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that something is the way that idols carry themselves. They've been given training in modeling and acting They know how to interact with a camera. Mm -hmm. They know how to interact with other members. There's just something like a secret ingredient that you just, you learn to be an idol. I feel like it's not something that you're born with. It is something that comes with a lot of training. Mm -hmm. It's like being a lady, Rachel. You have to go to finishing school. Good lord. And EXP Edition was kind of soulless. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like it goes both ways, too. I feel like the entertainment companies, they train their group members intensively to act a certain way, behave a certain way, and they present them in a certain way that they have trained us as the audience to recognize K-pop when we see it. And when someone comes out with a group like EXP Edition, we spot it immediately. Something is not right. The cake is a lie. (laughs) It's a little uncanny valley. It is. It really is. When you're taking cues from something, you know, there's like a fine line between being inspired by something and then making like a cheap copy of something. Mm -hmm. And they're just dancing all over that, you know? Yeah. It's just a conundrum because it's universally agreed upon that Expedition is not Mm K-pop, but Z-Girls and Z-Boys are considered... K-pop-ish, like, it's in the same realm. And I think a lot of it does have to do with the fact that there was, like, one Asian boy in EXP Edition. Yeah. And that the Korean that they were singing was bad. It almost... (laughs) It was bad. It was almost so uncomfortable because it almost felt like cultural appropriation, almost. Yeah. It was just like, okay, group of old white guys trying to be a K-pop group, like, what are you doing? (laughs) When we had been talking about this in our previous episode, we had agreed that if they had just sang it in English, 
and had it be a boy band that was K-pop inspired, yes. that people wouldn't be so fucking mad. Yeah, I really think that. I stand by that still. It's cultural appropriation that makes people mad. South Korea is not, like, free from cultural appropriation. No, not at all. They appropriate American black culture all the goddamn time Mm -hmm. for hip-hop, K-pop stuff. Yep. So, it is a two-way street, but, you know, life isn't fair, honey. (laughs) Yeah. Some things are just how they are perceived. You call it out either way, and... EXP edition was not popular enough to withstand that call out. No. Whereas a lot of other Korean groups are popular enough to withstand that call out. In the latest Blackpink music video. We'll talk about that yeah. more later, but yeah. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Lisa has uh, clip-ins that are braids, but they are done in an African-American style. They're meant to look like black hair. And people were mad. I, I was mad. I was like, girl, Why? Why? It's just like, you know better. It's like white people with, like, dreadlocks or cornrows. By now, people know. It's like, maybe don't do that if you're not black. Because people are going to take offense to that. Mm -hmm. Even if you have the purest of pure intentions, it's still going to make people mad. Also, let me just (laughs) say that if you're white with dreads, those are some nasty-ass pieces of hair you got. Because (laughs) black people, their hair dreads naturally and it's clean. You're... Fucking hair is matted and disgusting. Take out your dreads. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. All of our audience with dreadlocks. <laughs> all, all, all of none of you. <laughs> all of our audience of white people with dreadlocks. <laughs> yeah. That's all I have to say about that. That's all I'm going to say about that. So we're curious what you think. What do you think makes a K-pop group a K-pop group? Yeah, what is your definition? And our definition might not be the one that you agree with, so let us know. There are many ways to define K-pop, and not all of them are correct, and not all of them are incorrect. It's an ever-changing thing, especially as K-pop grows in global popularity. Mm -hmm. Globalization is a real bitch. Yeah. Yeah. With the way things are happening nowadays, (laughs) there might not be a globe. Oh. Oh, that's dark. Okay, and with that <laughs> end note. <laughs> a happy 100th episode! Hey! <laughs> so let's conclude this episode with our weekly K-pop recommendations. Rachel, what is your weekly K-pop rec? My recommendation this week is Alligator by Monsta X. We've been uh, hearing a lot of jokes about that because we're in Gainesville. Gator Nation! Gator Nation! <laughs> <laughs> And uh, my weekly K-pop recommendation is Bomb Bomb by Card. Yeah. The sexiest island dance song. The sexiest uh, island house. Yes. Only the sexiest island house for me. (laughs) We both picked very Florida-y things. I know, right? (laughs) Ew. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find Soulmates Podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash soulmatespodcast. You can find us on Tumblr at soulmatespodcast.tumblr.com. You can find us on Instagram at soulmatespodcast. You can find us on YouTube at soulmatespodcast. You can send us an email at soulmatespodcast at gmail.com. You can find our podcasts anywhere you normally listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Podbean. You can find us by searching Soulmates Podcast. Yes, because 
We have an RSS feed through iTunes. A. Yeah. So profesh. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have a great week, guys. And please let us know your opinions on what makes a K-pop group K-pop. Send us emails or uh, Facebook or Instagram or something. However you want. Yes. Bye. Bye.